Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Collegiately speaking. Walks into the end zone. Touches to the end zone. This is Collegiately Speaking. With the voice of Northwestern football and basketball, Dave Ennett, and former Northwestern star quarterback, Dan Persa, is Collegially Speaking. Let's go. And welcome, everybody, to another edition of Collegially Speaking. Dave Ennett with former Northwestern quarterback, Dan Persa. We are into the second half of the season. Well, it goes quickly, doesn't it? It seems like... Well, I, I won't say it seems like just the other day we were in Dublin, Ireland, watching the Cats take care of Nebraska, because a lot has transpired since then, and uh, it seems like an awful lot has happened. But the season goes by fast. Seven games down, five to go in the regular season, uh, beginning with a trip this week to play the Iowa Hawkeyes. It's it's Iowa week, Dan Persa. Always one of your favorite weeks, I know. Yeah, it's, it'll be a great atmosphere in, in Kinnick Stadium, and, and hopefully Northwestern uh, kind of get it rolling and uh, get a win in a tough environment. That's for sure. Well, that's sort of been their track record. They've won three straight at Kinnick Stadium, and uh, they have gone out there in past years when things weren't looking all that rosy for them, and they somehow managed to go out there and upset the Hawkeyes' plans. And, and sometimes it's been homecoming. It's homecoming this week. Uh, Northwestern going into 1-6, and six, and Iowa going into 3-4, and four, but they are all even as far as their conference record. They're both at 1-3 and three in Big Ten conference play. And I saw, I don't know if you saw this, it was floating around this week. It was also mentioned on BTN the other day that there is a scenario where the Wildcats could end up finishing the year 4-8 and eight and go to the Big Ten championship game because it would be a seven-way tie. There could be a seven-way tie uh, in the uh, Big Ten West, and Northwestern, based on tiebreakers, could come out and represent the West in the uh, conference championship game. I think that is a highly unlikely scenario, but you never know. Yeah, I saw that as well. I guess whatever you can do to to motivate the guys, right? Um, It's probably a, a long shot at this point. But I think at this point, you know, Northwestern is just really focused on um, developing the players and, and rebuilding um, and, and trying to get some younger guys some experience, starting with, with the quarterback, Brendan Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, and I thought there were some good things, Dan, from Sullivan and some good things, certainly the running game last week in uh, Maryland, a, a very tough loss, obviously, the way they lost it, but the way they came back in that game, the way they built a lead, and then we're able to come back and tie it late in the game. I, I think you have to take something away from that, don't you? I think so, yeah. I, I think, you know, Brennan played pretty well. Um, but unfortunately, at quarterback, even if you make two mistakes and if they're two catastrophic mistakes, you can lose the game or lose momentum for your team. And, and that's pretty much what happened, right? I think, you know, when, when he threw that first interception, um, Northwestern was rolling again, coming out in the, in the second half and, and protecting that lead. 
And then from there, it seemed like Maryland took the the, the momentum back. And um, to your point, they had a, a great comeback score to tie it up, and, and the momentum swung back, you know, one play later. But no, I think Brennan did, did a lot of good things. It's obviously unbiased, but it's nice to see a quarterback that can move around a little bit, and make some plays with his feet. Um, because I think you look across the college football landscape, there's just really not that many guys left that are pure pro- pocket passers, especially you know in, in mid mid level teams. Um, or teams that are struggling like Northwestern, uh, you, you want a guy that can move around back there because it's a wild card for the opposing defense, and they'll certainly need that wild card against an Iowa defense that um, you know is probably one of the best in the country, frankly. Um, so hopefully he can have some, some success at Kinnick. They are number six in the nation in total defense, giving up 278 yards a game on the ground, holding opponents to 16.1 points per game. That's eighth nationally. Their problems... Needless to say, have come on offense where they are dead last in total offense, 227 yards, 128th out of 131 in scoring offense at 14 points a game. So uh, you look over the, the history of this series, and of course, I think it's been well documented that Iowa, under the Hayden Fry years owned the Cats. They won 21 in a row. And then in 1995, it all changed. Uh, The Cats won at what was then Dyke Stadium. And since that game in 1995, during the Rose Bowl season, the Wildcats have a winning record against the Hawkeyes, 14-11. and They have won six of the last nine at Kinnick Stadium. And you were part of some success there and i know the guy who's joining us now a former teammate of yours was also part of that success why don't you introduce your former teammate here oh man you put me on the spot james schmidt um the man the myth the legend former former running back for the cats a lot of great plays a lot of great wins he is now um the head of football operations at northwestern and um thanks for joining us jacob Gentlemen, my pleasure. Dan, Dave, great to be with you. Thanks so much. Jacob, thanks for being with us. Well, you heard the big... I was going to give you a much bigger lead-in. I'm a little disappointed that Dan didn't have more of your, your accolades. Put me on the spot, Dan. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Look, look, there weren't many accolades to, to choose from. So, Dan, that, that's about as good as it gets these days. Um, so, no, I, I appreciate the intro and, and you guys having me on today. Well, it's been really an interesting series over the years and and you know what it's like jacob going in there i think dan we were talking about brendan sullivan and and really your first significant playing time i think came in a game at kinnick stadium did it not when mike kafka got hurt and you came in and a quarterback the wildcats to a win right yeah i think so yeah he you don't remember much about that no, I, I I think I think my it depends how you define significant playing time. I think I played you know half of, of okay. the game before at Penn State or playing Penn State. But no, to your point, that that was the first game where I knew I would have a, a big role in the outcome, um, which was a lot of fun. It was a great win, a great day, a great game. Um, I think I was was ranked what Jacob like two or three or six. I can't remember. Um, but it was, it was a great win. Yeah, they they were highly ranked. You guys knocked them off, and and if you go over the the years, Jacob, the the rivalry has been intense. There have been some unbelievable finishes. You've been around for a lot of them, 
both in your playing days and since then being part of the football program and now as director of football operations. What is it about this series that has generated the kinds of games that we've seen and and led to some of the outcomes and some of the finishes that have been absolutely crazy? Yeah, Dave, I, I first wanted to make mention, you know, Dan stepped in to, to help win that game, but we were all wondering and, and kind of saying, like, it's about time, right? The, the, the chosen quarterback finally helped us when a lot of us were playing in 08 uh, and 09 before Danny got the opportunity, but no, no, no. He, he, um, he absolutely was crucial in, in helping us win that game. But, look, I, I don't know what it is per se, but, but you just said it. We've been a part of uh, an incredible rivalry the last – 15 years personally, um, but but obviously back to the 90s since since Gary and Fitz. Um, I, I, I think there's there's first and foremost this mutual respect, but then I think it goes uh, I, I think it goes a bit deeper, right? I, I think um, we're, we're very similar um, programs in the sense that you know we we, we sort of have this blue collar mentality. Um, you know, look Iowa, they, they they've never done anything flashy. Uh, you know exactly what you're going to get from them year in year out. They haven't changed offenses or defenses in in, in what seems like forever. And so I, I think our program over the years has has just continued to build um, our confidence, knowing that that from uh, X's and O standpoints, we know what to expect, and they do too, right? They, they vice versa, they do too. They know what we're going to do, and so we've just embodied this um, this 74 versus the world mentality when we go to Kinnick and we, we hype up the, you know, the, the, the fans, the, the, the atmosphere that, that their incredible, you know, fans create. Uh, and we walk out of that tunnel to 80,000 boos and, and we just love it. We love it. And, and we've stepped up and played really well there. I think you just said six of nine at Kinnick, the cats have won. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been a part of a lot of them, none better than, than 2018 when we secured the West with, uh, you know, Clayton and Bennett's Karonik's incredible catch in the end zone. And, and then again in 2020, right, you go into a Kinnick, which is normally rambunctious, and it, it's silent because no fans during COVID. And, you know, you go down 21 zip, I believe, or 17 zip, um, and you just keep believing and you keep fighting and you, you find a way to win those close football games. That's, that's what Fitz has done for this program over the last 17 years um, where we're, we're, we're always going to fight to the final whistle. And, and while this year you know, certainly hasn't been the year we've wanted to have, we, I promise you we're going to fight on Saturday and we're going to find a way to come out on top. Jacob, you got me all jacked up, man. That, that, was, a, that was a great <laughs> talk about lead-in. Um, no, but I think going back to the Maryland game, and, and Dave and I were talking a little bit about Brennan before, um, but, you know, all in all, obviously I think he played pretty well. Um, obviously two catastrophic mistakes that you can't make. Um, but I think he showed some flashes on, you know, why he's, he's now the starting quarterback and why people have a lot of belief in him. Maybe talk about his, his mindset, you know, going into another big away game and, and kind of how the guys have rallied around him uh, going forward. Yeah, Danny, he, 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 Brendan is the ultimate competitor, right? When, when, when we told him that he was going to be the backup coming out of training camp, he was so upset, right? He took that personally. He thought he earned the job going into Dublin. And, and that's exactly what you want in, in your quarterback room, right? That's exactly what you want in the, in the guy that you, you tell, look, you're, you're going to be number two for now, but you need to stay ready and you need to be ready because you're going to play. 
and and that time has come, right? Ryan, you know, out the gate played really well, and then we just couldn't figure it out the last few weeks. And so, you know, making the switch to Sully, I think, gave the offense, gave the entire team this this you know this energy, this this um, this idea that hey, this, let's give Brandon a shot. We know he's mobile. Uh, I think you said it before. A mobile quarterback, for whatever reason, is is crucial in our offense. You know, all the way back to you and Mike. Um, you know, and all the way through the years. I mean, Clayton can move well enough. Trevor loved to make fun of him, but but he could he could get out of the pocket and get a first down too. Um, you know, I, I think it's just crucial to extend the play, to 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 keep the play positive, right? Avoid the sack, get back to the line of scrimmage, gain a couple yards. That goes a long way, right? Yeah, stay with the chains. Um, and so Sully did that. Uh, he made some big plays. He did a lot of things really well. Um, he had the offense. Um, you know, we moved the ball well all day. Two critical mistakes, can't, can't do it. Um, but for a first-time start on the road against a really athletic and hungry team in, in Maryland, I thought he played really well. And, um, and he gave the defense some energy, right? I think we know this, but you know, a bunch of three and outs, that's hard on the D. They, they, they need time to rest and recoup. And uh, when the offense is out there moving the football, scoring points, that helps, that helps all, all sides of the ball. Um, and so I think they played better because of it as well. So I look forward to Brandon taking another step up now with a week under his belt um, and just, just continuing to, to build on what he did uh, last weekend and uh, clean it up a little bit, fix those mistakes, but let's, let's make some big plays and, again, find a way to score some points against a really, really tough Iowa defense. Yeah, and, and a tough atmosphere like you you're describing before. Um, I'm not asking you to disparage College Park and, and Maryland at all, but – Hopefully he right. knows that it is kind of a different animal. Um, obviously, College Park's a cool place to play, but Kinnick's a, a you know hornet's nest. Um, how how is he preparing for that? How are you guys preparing him for that? Um, because while we all like to pretend that it doesn't make a difference, it, it clearly does. Just for from a communication and and momentum and mindset standpoint, are there anything specifically outside of you know crowd noise at practice only does so much? But hopefully he understands that it will be different on Saturday. Yeah, no, Danny, he, 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 he does. And I think College Park was a good first intro to playing quarterback at this level. But yeah, Kinnick is, it's a, it's an entirely different level. So yeah, we obviously we've done the crowd noise in Ryan Fieldhouse this week, right? We were trying to make the conditions in there as difficult as possible to communicate. Um, and so that's, that's one, but uh, you know, as you know, um, it's it's not just on the football field at, at Kinnick, but it's it's in the stands and it's the people around you and it's the moms and the kids and the dads who are they know everything about you and they're making fun of you. And so we've we've tried to do a little bit of that this week. Um, you know, the support staff and and the scout teams. I mean, we've been we've been talking to these guys and we've been trying to get them to crack and trying to distract them, uh, whether it's in the lunchroom or, or at practice. So. Uh, I, I think he's he's well aware what he's going to get into, but until you go play there, Dan, I I, I don't know if you truly understand it. So it's going to be important that first quarter that that we we make some positive plays, that we we make it as easy as possible for him to feel good about it. Um, you know, the, get the run game going, support him because um, it's 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 frankly my favorite place to play, but I think the most difficult place to play in the Big Ten. The the, the fans are incredible. The atmosphere is awesome. Um, and so you got to have some positive momentum early to, to try to quiet them down. Otherwise, it can get out of hand. Talking to former Wildcat, running back, and uh, current director of football operations, Jacob Schmidt. A good, good old number 39, right, Jacob? 
That's right. You <laughs> and my mom. That's the only people out there that remember my Oh, hardly. Hardly. <laughs> but so you bring in you got people heckling the players during practice this week leading up to this game? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, the, the staff, right? We just, we've been, we've been around a little bit more. We've been, uh, we've been chirping a little bit just to try to try to, uh, get these guys off their game in practice. So again, any, anything and everything we can do to, to, to help these guys prepare for Saturday, we're going to do. I'm going to ask both you guys, uh, before we spring you here, Jacob, about, one of these games that really stands out in my mind, even though it didn't take place in Iowa City, it took place in Evanston, and that was the the game in, in 2010. And, Dan, I know it's a, a painful memory for you. Uh, Kirk Ferentz, I don't know if you heard him, he was talking about that play at his news conference this week. And uh, his quote was, uh, on on that touchdown, did you see what he said? About th- uh, I didn't know. I'm interested to hear though. He said, um, the one guy blew out his Achilles on the last play. What a great play it was. If he had to get hurt, I wish it had happened earlier. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Don't misconstrue, but you understand what a play that was, and those things stick with you. <laughs> Obviously, that play left a big impression on the Iowa program, but I think what gets forgotten sometimes is – what you guys had to do to be in position for you to make that play, which was had to go something. First of all, you had to make a stop, right? The defense had to make a stop. You had just scored. Defense forces a punt. And then you have to go like 90 yards, right, in the last couple of minutes there to get, to get in position for the winning touchdown? I think so, yeah. And the game was really kind of getting away from us, and Jacob remembers this too, but uh, Brian Peters made, a, made an interception. I think it was mid-fourth quarter, and we were down 10. Um, but to your point, I think we drove you know, 75, 80 yards, scored. Uh, defense made a stop. You know, We went all out for the, the punt block. Didn't even have a returner. So the ball rolled to the, the 5 or 10, and then we had another another drive that, um, ended up in that, that last play. So it was, yeah, it was a great win. I, you know, as a competitor, the, our senior year, Jacob my senior year sticks out a little bit more just because, you know, we lost that game and I felt like we had every, every opportunity to win. And I threw a, I threw a pick six early in the game that, you know, we were cr- clawing back from. Um, so that one hurts a little bit more than 2010, uh, feels good. Uh, but maybe that's just because some negative. <laughs> Jacob, uh, your recollection of that game. What do what do you uh, take away from yeah. that? Yeah, twenty ten. So I was I was a cheerleader. I was out with an ankle injury. So I'm I'm on the sideline in a boot, cheering these guys on. I, I remember it being sort of a, a sloppy, maybe not rainy, but it was definitely like a foggy, ugly day at Ryan Field, and, and we just never gave up. We never gave up. Um, we we tired them out by the fourth quarter with with how fast we were going. Um, and guys made incredible plays down the stretch. I think, Danny, you threw that to Demetrius Fields, um, that final touchdown. Um, yeah. I mean, just uh, it, it was it was probably the first time we'd beaten Iowa three years in a row, maybe forever, right? I mean, it, it was it, it's a it's a good one, Dave. I mean, I, I hate talking about it too because of, of Danny's injury, um, uh, you know. But but to to win an 08 there to win an 09 there and then come home in 10 and beat them the way we did i mean we felt like we had their number for a long time and i think you argue that we we still do uh given the record over the last 20 years but yeah some some incredible games and a win saturday would be uh the first time uh that 
Cats would have won four straight at Kinnick. So we'll see if that happens Saturday. Jacob, good talking to you. Great uh, going down memory lane with you. And we'll always remember number 39. Have have no doubt. Dave, I appreciate you. Yeah, no, looking forward to this weekend. Dave, we'll see you uh, We'll see you uh, Friday night. Um, it's going to be a fun one. Let's, so, let's get back on track. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, Jacob. Right. Take care. Talk to you later. That's Jacob Schmidt, Director of Football Operations at Northwestern, former Wildcat running back, former teammate of yours. And uh, it's a challenge, no question about it. And uh, you have to think that Iowa is looking at this game as, as one they really need sitting there at three and four. I don't think they expected that. But, you know, if you go back to their first game uh, against South Dakota State back on Labor Day weekend, I remember we had the weekend off. I was in my yard. There were no touchdowns in that game. Iowa, a field goal, and two safeties. That was the extent of their scoring in that game to beat South Dakota State the Jackrabbits by a score of seven to three. I think we might see a a few more points scored on Saturday, but who knows, right, Dan? I just I don't know anymore how you predict some of these games. Yeah, no, I think um, you know it really depends who's that quarterback, and maybe it doesn't depend because both quarterbacks have kind of really struggled all year. Um, but you know, Spencer Spencer Petrus, I think he's shown flashes over the last three years that he can do it. Um, he's just been incredibly inconsistent and he makes some plays that you're just like, what was that? You know, who are you even looking at? How, how do you make that throw? How do you miss that throw? Um, so hopefully, hopefully the, uh, the lesser Spencer Pete just shows up on, on Saturday for, for the Wildcats. But at the same time, I mean, that defense is unbelievable, right? They, they scored, I think they, they had a, a scoop and score against Ohio State. Yep. They, they basically dominated the Ohio State offense in that first half. Um, obviously, when you're getting you know help on on offense, it's tough that to, to hang in there too long. But they were they pushed around and dominated probably the best offense um, in the, one of the best offenses in the country. So I think Northwestern is going to struggle scoring points. I think it's going to be a you know a baseball score at the end of the day. Hopefully, the defense can can keep it low as well, and you know hopefully they just have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. I think that's all you can ask for at this point, um, especially in a very hostile environment. Uh, before we bring in Super Joe here with his prediction of the week, uh, the Big Ten released the 2023 schedule uh, this past week. Uh, the conference schedule, the uh, schools already had their non-conference games lined up. Uh, Northwestern, once again, will open their schedule with a Big Ten game. This is something that's happened on a regular basis for them now. I think this is going to be three times in four years, not counting the 2020 season when everybody played exclusively conference games. But the Cats will open the season next September 2nd on the road at Rutgers. This will be just the second time they play at Rutgers since the Scarlet Knights came into the Big Ten. Then they'll go back to uh, non-conference play at home against UTEP, on the road at Duke. Once again, that series continues. And then three straight home games, Minnesota, Penn State in one of their crossover games, and then Howard University to wrap up non-conference play. I look at the schedule, Dan, for one thing, the Big Ten West, and it may very well be the final year of the divisions in the Big Ten next season. But next year, the West gets the extra game, and the Wildcats, uh, with 
that extra conference game at home, I, I think that's certainly going to help them, especially you look at their schedule. They do have Penn State as one of their crossover games. They don't have Michigan or Ohio State on the schedule. Their other crossover games are Maryland at home, and uh, and they also have the Rutgers game on the road, their opener, so they get that one out of the way right away. I kind of like the way the schedule lines up for them. I think so. You know, as, as a fan, um, it, it lines up pretty well, um, and, and hopefully Northwestern can, can manage it favorably. You know, as a competitor, um, being on the former teams, you always want to play the best, so not playing Ohio State or Michigan um, is kind of a bummer. But I think, you know, bouncing off of this season, they need they need a, a little bit easier schedule. Um, so I think, you know, it's very manageable, right? It's, yep. they, they'll be in every position to, to compete for the West and, and, you know, compete for their goals, which is which is what you want. Their other Big Ten road games are Nebraska, uh, Wisconsin, and Illinois. The Wisconsin and Illinois, their last two road games in the month of November. So that, those could be certainly very interesting. All right, let's bring in uh, Super Joe Romano now with his prediction of the week. Prediction. Super Joe's Predictions. All right, had to go with a little different tune this time. Uh, didn't didn't earn a W last week. I'm not a uh, sports betting expert, but I think when you take the over in a game and one team scores more points than that total, uh, that is a bad bet. So hopefully nobody followed me on that one. All right, so getting into this week, uh, I, I, we don't really hide the fact that I'm a Michigan fan here. No. No, no. we don't. Uh, Michigan's got a rivalry game. They're going for the Paul Bunyan Trophy against Little Brother. Um, and instead of attacking the total or the game spread, I'm actually going to go with a player prop. And an Illinois native, J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback of Michigan, they got his uh, passing yards prop set at 220 yards. I think he blows that out of the water. Really? Yeah, last year in East Lansing, there were some uh, some chances, uh, obviously, when Cade McNamara was, uh, was the quarterback, um, to get after this Michigan State defense, which has not improved much since last year. Uh, they are currently 13 out of 14 Big Ten schools in defending the pass. Um, both teams have had the extra week to prepare, but the, Michigan State all season long, it really has struggled to, to stop this, the uh, the ball through the air, especially in that Oregon game. I think Michigan comes out strong. J.J. McCarthy has a monster game. Uh, maybe not 372 like Dan did against uh, Rice, but maybe some, uh, somewhere in that uh, vicinity. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that, that should be a good one. I... It's always an interesting matchup. Ohio State, Penn State this week. Does Penn State have enough? They had kind of a bounce back last week against Minnesota. Do they have enough to make it a game against the Buckeyes, who, by the way, we will talk about next week as they come to Evanston for the first time in several years to take on the Wildcats? But that that's going to be interesting because Penn State, we know, is, has often played Ohio State tough at Beaver Stadium. I think it'll be a great game, and um, it, it's just hard. It's a tough place. Beaver Stadium is just a tough place to play, and you know Penn State always plays Ohio State tough there. Um, I do think Penn State's a little bit overmatched um, based on what we've seen, but at the end of the day, if, if Ohio State is a little bit sluggish like they were against Iowa, um, maybe it's a game. I just I, I think they're just a little bit too overmatched in that in that game. 
And uh, Illinois plays at Nebraska this Saturday. See if the uh, Illini can keep it going. They are atop the Big Ten West, but uh, this is a kind of a tricky game potentially for them against the Cornhuskers, who've played better. There's no question about it. They've won a couple of games, so we'll see how that one goes. Rutgers plays at Minnesota this week uh, to round out the Big Ten schedule. And, of course, the Cats at Iowa. This is a big week. The first college football playoff rankings of the year will come out on Tuesday. The committee gets together, and we'll see what they come up with this week because they've got some interesting decisions to make. You you look at the, the rankings here. There are a lot of people, I think, who are jumping on the Ohio State wagon. Uh, certainly, Michigan looks good. Georgia looks tough. Uh, maybe Alabama's lost a little bit of support from what they've had in the past, even though they had a, a big bounce back last week. So they got some tough decisions facing them, although we have a long way to go before uh, we get into December in the final rankings. But still, this will be uh, interesting to see what they come out with the first time. Yeah, I agree. And as a fan, you know, it's, it's hopeful that or it's helpful that, you know, all this will be shaken out through the end of the year and the conference, the conference championships. Um, you know, Alabama will, will probably be in, in the SEC West playing, you know, Georgia or Tennessee. Um, it's just really a question of does the Big Ten get two teams in? Does the SEC get two teams in? You know, is, is somebody like Oregon or UCLA or Clemson, are they going to be strong enough to the end of the season to make it? So, um, should be interesting. That's for sure. Dan, thanks for the time as always, and we will talk to you again next week.